I think we've been beating this culture drum just way too hard in the Agile community. Culture is a boogeyman of people who can't articulate an organizational change management strategy that their executives will sign off on. Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Nate, I'm here with Mike Kottmeyer. Mike, thank you for taking time out of your evening. No, man, I really appreciate it. I'm uh, happy to be here talking to you. And Mike is fired up. So I'm, one of the great up, things yeah. about my job is that sometimes Mike calls, he's like, hey, we should do a podcast. Yeah. And I say, okay, and I don't know what we're going to talk about. And then we kind of figure it out as we go. So well, that's what well, we're going to be doing tonight. When right? you get that kind of email from me, it's usually like I tried to sit down and write a blog post and like I can't get like my thoughts clear enough or I can't turn it into 500 or a thousand words or it's like linked to a thousand other things that people don't have context around. Yeah. So I'm like, Dave, just help me talk about it. Man. All right. So I'll <laughs> yeah. do my best. I'm okay, going to just for the, for the folks listening, I'm going to be pushing back on a lot of these things intentionally just to see what happens. So yeah, hopefully you, you, you want to see what I'm, you want to see what I'm made of a little bit, huh? Yes. Yeah, well, excellent. it gives me a chance to kind of step out of my, I, I don't know. I get to give you a hard time. It'll be fun. Yeah, man. It's oh. awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. All right, so you're chained to a wall. Chained to a wall. Okay. okay that <laughs> well, that's how you were starting to explain it before. Yeah. So I'm flying Sunday night to go um, visit a potential client, and I started reading through LinkedIn. And, and anybody who's been paying attention to our stuff for a long time knows that, you know, leading Agile as a company, right, we talk about, we talk about structure, practices, and culture. And, and we absolutely put culture is a third, but kind of a fast follow. We say, you know, get the ecosystem right, get the, the practices in that ecosystem right, and then, you know, start changing hearts and minds as you go. And I was browsing around through on LinkedIn, and I was reading, like, you know, people asking questions, like, what is the biggest barrier to Agile? What is the biggest barrier to this, right? Read two or three threads, and, like, hundreds of responses were all around Oh, it's middle managers. Oh, it's culture. Oh, it's this. And I'm just like, I'm sitting here thinking, well, it's 2018. Agile Manifesto was, was written in 2001. Agile's been going around for years and years before that. And people don't get it. I think we've been beating this culture drum just way too hard in the Agile community. Culture is a boogeyman of people who can't articulate an organizational change management strategy that their executives will sign off on. Okay. Like if you walk into the room and you say, hey, Mr. Executive, you need to be able to do agile. You need to empower your people. You need to trust your people. You need to let the people that are closest to the work do the work. Right. Whatever like the, the yeah, platitude yeah. of the day is. Right. Yeah. And the executive sitting there looking and going, look, I've got stakeholders, I've got the board, I've got this, I've got these technical architecture problems, I've got these stability problems. I know enough about Agile to be dangerous, but I have zero idea of how doing Scrum is going to solve that problem for me. And like faced with that, somebody goes, oh, well, you're just a command and control leader. Well, wait, or can yeah. I push, I want to yeah, push please. back yeah, on two yeah. things. So I don't know if the I, I I don't know if I feel like the executives realize that they have a problem that Scrum can solve. They have problems, and they have somebody there saying Agile will make your world better, but maybe they can't see the connection. Well, but let me ask you a question, right? Do you think the person who wants to do Agile can see the connection to the to the leader? 
Not always. I think a lot of the people who want agile want the world to be easier or better or something different well, than it is. And well, it's the thing they've latched onto. Well, I agree. I agree. Right. So, so can you guarantee me, Dave Pryor, awesome CST guy, <laughs> trainer of scrum masters. Don't forget if PMP. If, well, yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> so if, if everybody did everything like out of your class by yeah. the book, just yeah. drop in, no matter what the company, no matter what the context, no matter whatever, that, that every business would be transformed. Absolutely not. Well, why not? Because I don't, they have different contexts. They have different situations they're dealing with. Yeah. And what, what worked for me, what I'm sharing about things that work for me may not work for them. They have to inspect. They have to learn to figure it out on their own to a certain extent. Well, well so that's the interesting thing, right, is that they have to learn how to figure it out on their own. Well, so you get somebody who comes out of, out of scrum training. And, and they believe, right. And this is, and there's, and there's some truth to it, but it's, it's very contextual. It's like, they believe that if you just start doing this stuff, that the goodness will flow, that the impediments will be exposed. And then because it's so obvious that everybody wants to get better and these impediments that we've uncovered are going to get better, get us better, that everybody will just want to remove them. Right. And and what what we're realizing, right, is we go in and do some of these these really big transformations we're working on. These companies have like legit problems. They have legit barriers to being able to adopt agile. And and so that's what I was saying. And those barriers, they took a long time to put in place. It's not like they just appeared. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's like it's organization and it's staffing and it's governance and it's financing models and it's how accounting works and it's your technology architecture and your business architecture and you have all these things, right? And, and I will guarantee you, I absolutely agree. If you start doing scrum on a team and you have, um, 50 people coming into that team and their matrix across six projects each scrum will absolutely show you that. Oh yeah. It'll show you, but I don't know if everybody wants to see it. I think so. Or, or can okay. they fix it? They, they probably don't know how, but that goes back to the how. original question. So when you raised that original question, I was thinking somebody who posts <laughs> that question online isn't looking for the answer to the question. They're looking for someone to give them an excuse for their failure. Well, well, maybe, right? Maybe. But, but you know what? What I think we're seeing is that, is that people come to Agile based upon um, the promises that we make as an industry. Right. Okay. We're going to um, what's the scrum tagline, scrum alliance tagline, revolutionize change the, world work. change the world of work. Right. Yeah. So we're going to change the world of work. Right. Um, you know, Jeff Sutherland in his book, wait, twice the twice doing the, stuff the art half of the doing time. twice the work in half the time. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I can't Which is a great book. It's, a great yeah, it's, book. A, it's an awesome book. Right. It's an awesome book. But but people are buying the promise. Right. And and then they go and they they pick up a 20 page scrum guide. Or they pick up a um, they pick up a book, or they pick go to a two day class, and they they come back and they they start doing those things, and it doesn't necessarily fix anything. Right. Okay. It just makes the broken super obvious. Well, but, maybe. yeah, maybe right, but maybe, but the but the the complexities of some of the organizations that people are trying to apply Scrum in. It's like, so you've got a a group of folks that are, that are working in a very localized context and they can, 
they can, you know, they'll start doing Scrum. And like, what if they expose legacy technical debt in systems they don't have responsibility for? What if they expose lack of um, expertise to subject matter experts that they have no ability to go get expertise from? What mm-hmm. if what if they actually are really successful and they realize that the company doesn't really have an organizational strategy and that they that for their part of the world, they start the strategy queue or they have architectural dependencies with 48 other things in you know, the technology organization. Right. Okay. So those those kinds of impediments. Sure. Right. In theory, will be exposed by scrum. But but the resolution of them are so far beyond the scope of that scrum team that they can't fix them. But don't you think that, I mean, a lot of the stuff that you just described, I would yeah. imagine that most organizations may not be, it may not be present to them that they have these issues. And even if scrum only shows it to the people on the teams, like, Hey, this is jacked up. That's at least somebody's now seeing it and they can start to try to raise that problem up to well, so they can fix it. Well, so here's the interesting thing, right? I, I, I haven't walked into one sales situation, one uh, large scale transformation where I couldn't walk in and articulate 80 to 90 percent of the problems that they have. Right. I mean, I literally Dave, have people walk in and they go, it's like you work here, right? Yeah. How do you know that this, this is going on? Because everybody's right? doing the same stuff wrong. Yeah, well, everybody's doing the same stuff wrong, absolutely, for a lot of the same reasons. Yeah. And so when I started doing my executive's guide talk a while ago, like one of the things that that I was talking about in that conversation is like, let's stop pretending that we don't know what the impediments are. Okay. Right. Or that that we have to just start doing scrum and then we have to like figure it out and the plans have to emerge. Because here's the thing, right? So if you walk in and you say, I want to do Scrum, or I'm picking on Scrum, but I want to do safe, or I want to do less, or I want to do discipline agile delivery, or I want to do whatever. whatever and man. the thing that you're saying is incongruent with that executive's understanding of their reality, then then at that point you don't really have permission to tell them anything. And we know, right? Scrum doesn't fix anything. It just shows you your impediments. But like what I get really, I, it's, it makes me sad, right? And it, the reason why it makes me sad is because I think if in an industry we continue to focus on culture, right, as a first order concern. Or as I, an excuse. Well, I'm going to start with a first order concern, right? Okay. Because, because if we truly believe that culture is the problem, if you could wave a magic wand, you're king for a day and you could get all your subjects to flip their culture. And everybody wanted to do this, was excited about doing it, um, you know, had all the energy in the world for it. <clears throat> what would you have them go do tomorrow right. that would guarantee you'd be successful? If you don't know what you would go do tomorrow, culture isn't your problem. Right. Yeah. It's the thing people latch on to. Well, that's why I said it's the boogeyman of people who can't articulate an organizational change management strategy their executives will buy into because because the executives have like legit resistance. And we we started off with the chain to the wall thing. Right. What I was what we were talking about was. If I walk in, <laughs> yeah. So, so Dave and I always have pre-conversations before these to get each other wound up before we get going. And I, and I, I said, like, so if I walk into the room and you're chained to the wall 
and don't let your mental imagery go too far. I'm thinking kind of like medieval dungeon <laughs> kind of stuff, right? And I but was it, suggesting it was all Fifty Shades of Grey, so we're yeah, not in the sexy room. Yeah, so so eventually we're going to have to start <laughs> talking about fat people on the couch going running. Well, so so the metaphor that I was using is if if I'm chained to the wall or I'm that person on the couch that can't you know get up and and move, like I walk in and I say I say, hey Dave, you know I want you to come with me. I want you to adopt Agile. And you're like, dude, I'm chained to the wall or I can't get up, right? I'm unhealthy, like whatever. And and I keep saying to you, you know, you need to do this. Here's the benefits of it. You'd be this, you'd be that. But like you're literally you're chained to the wall. And like I can see I'm chained to the wall. You can't necessarily see I'm chained to the wall. And so at some point in time, you start to believe that I'm resistant to change or that I'm not listening or, or maybe I don't even know I'm chained to the wall. I just know I can't move, right? And so so – in order to have a credible conversation with somebody, you have to understand like what their impediments are and why doing this makes is difficult. So you have to figure out why I'm chained to the wall. Or, or, or the fact that you're chained to the wall to begin with, <clears throat> you have to have empathy, right? Okay. And then if you have, if you have empathy, right, then we can start talking about point of view, right? So, yeah. so the challenge becomes is that when I don't know to look, for you being chained to the wall. You might not even know you are chained to the wall. I'm telling you, Agile's gonna solve your problem. And I, you know, I'm sitting here, I kind of have this notional idea I'm chained to the wall. I have no idea how doing a daily stand-up meeting is gonna help me get away from the wall. And and the the problem is is that we blame culture when a lot of times there's like really legit issues. And so kind of my challenge to people always what I was just talking about. It's like, if you're going to get somebody to change their mind and that's what you're going to lead with, yeah. what you've got to be prepared to do as a really fast follow is to tell them what they're going to do to change their situation. And, you know, and I, and I say this with like all transparency. I mean, we sell consulting services for a living, so I have no problem with people selling stuff and making a buck or whatever. But yeah. like if I go in and I sell training, I sell teaching you scrum, right? And I don't see the, I don't see the change and the client doesn't see the chains. And we basically say, Hey, if I start teaching this, right, you're going to, you're going to be able to be, you have all the success, right? Then we all discover the chains as a product of it, but we can't fix the chains, right? Then, then I've done you a disservice because I'm actually worse off than I was because now I've been sold a promise. I've implemented a new process that maybe in those presence, in the presence of those immovable chains yeah, is actually worse for you. So I want to ask a question. Yeah, I'm coming sure. at this in my head in two different directions at okay. once. So if it doesn't make sense, I apologize. With the way that you were just talking about this, I'm then wondering if if you're the transformation agent, not the person chained to the wall. Yeah. If if I'm if the transformation agent is saying, "Come follow me, come follow me," why aren't you following me? You're resistant to change. Is it then upon the shoulders of the transformation agent to understand that the change, not just that the change are there, but how they got to be there, why they're there in the first place? So if they have this big command and control structure, what led to that being put in place? And because and that would help you unpack it. Right. Well, so here's the interesting thing with this command and control phrase we like to use, right? The reason why command and control is there is because the systems are broken. I mean, every day I am confronted with some aspect of something that's broken in how I would like to run Leading Agile. 
And okay. every day I am confronted with centralized decision making or fix the system to continue to enable people to make local decisions. Right. Okay. And so like every day faced with something's broken, how do we resolve fixing it? I mean, how much like policy and procedure is a result of somebody made a mistake or made a bad decision? So we put a rule in place to make sure that that bad decision never gets made again. Okay. But here's the thing. Command and control in this particular context is usually because of poor architecture, um, fragile systems, um, fragile deployment processes, um, people that don't have the right skills, um, you know, dependencies between systems. I'm starting to repeat myself, but like But couldn't it also be that people right? were irresponsible? They didn't know how to do stuff, and so they did something that just well, wrecked well, everything. Well, so it's true, right? But at some point, right, you get – I mean, all of that stuff was done with the best of intentions, right? Nobody yeah. – you know, most people don't show up to work intending to do a bad job, right? They, they were hired to do a job. They did a job of their best of ability, and they might have left a, an organization with a ton of – you know, technical debt, scars, right? Yeah. yeah, scars, right? So now you're sitting there with this scarred up system and somebody walks in and says, start doing scrum and it's going to fix everything. I mean, if you go back to the early stuff, right? I'm, I'm, I never get like the quotes of the stuff, right? But it's like, you know, build teams around really highly motivated experts, right? Empower them to do their job, use good architecture, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you know, you know, wrap everything in tests, continuously refactor software craftsmanship. Right. I mean, the reason why all that stuff is there is because in order for agile to work, you've got to have that stuff in place. Okay. And and if you don't have that stuff in place, retrofitting scrum on the top of it, on top of it as a solution isn't effective. Okay. But but here's the interesting thing, Dave, and this is this is what this is what I'm like I'm like wound up over, right? It's like most of the problems that companies have are knowable, right? They all have but the same. But that doesn't problems. mean they're ready to fix them. Because well, well, you're talking, well, what you're talking about is a little bit like I want to learn how to play like Eric Clapton. Let's go down to Guitar Center and pick me up a fifteen hundred dollar <laughs> Strat and a Marshall stack. And then I got everything I need to play like Eric Clapton, except I don't know how to play the damn guitar. Well, okay, so here's the, but so so, but you can get lessons, right? I can but, get lessons, but and I can learn some basic chords, but I can't play like Clapton. Well, well, so but here's the interesting thing: like, have you ever seen those things on Facebook? That's like, hey, spend thirty dollars on my kit, and you'll become a great guitar player in thirty days. Yeah. Well, that's what scrums. That's what a lot of scrums. I know. Right yes, now, I'm totally right? in agreement with yeah. you. Yes. So, so here's the thing, right? So, so are you making the argument with me that well, they don't know how to play guitar, so I'm just going to sell them the 30 day kit, and they'll be better than they were when I started? Well, I'm making that argument, but I'm also thinking that if, if I get the guitar and all that stuff, and I realize, oh crap, I can't do this. I need fundamentals. Then you say to me, okay, I want you to do some scales and some arpeggios and some figure exercises and learn some basic blues chords, and then you're going to be able to play like Clapton. Well, maybe after 20 years of practice. Well, well, so that's so that's the interesting thing, right? So, so people who probably listen to this podcast know that I famously got to play Shine with Collective Soul uh, a couple years ago, right? Never miss We're an never going to make it through a that. podcast without yeah, talking never, about collective never, soul. Never miss an opportunity to talk about that moment <laughs> in my life, right? Well, but but so like here's the thing, right? So there's so if I would have gotten up and messed that song up, there yes. are consequences to that. Oh yeah, right. And so it's so we can use the guitar metaphor, and oh yeah, well if I just 
you know, learn some chords 30 days before, I'd be better than I was 30 days prior. But the goal is not to be just incrementally better. The goal is to make an investment and get an ROI, right? So, so the only thing that worked in that situation is to be able to play the song close enough to perfect that I didn't embarrass myself. So, all right. So well, how but, many but times do you think you practiced that solo? Well, a lot, a lot, right? Like uh, a, a, over a hundred, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably a hundred a day, right? For okay, two so months or something, right? I think most companies... They want the end state, but the thought of all the time playing that over and over again, they don't want to do that. Well, true, right? But but here's the thing, right? You either walk in and you sell them a kit that says 30 days from now, you're going you're gonna to be able to play the guitar. Or you basically say, hey, look, I'm willing to sell you a guitar and I'm willing to sell you lessons. But let me tell you what the next 20 years looks like for you. Yeah, exactly. Right? Well, no, but that's, but that's meaningful, right? <laughs> yeah. Because, because it's like... You have to be able to articulate what does it take to systematically learn how to do something, okay? right? How to systematically overcome the barriers, right? The equivalent of what we're doing with Scrum right now, it's like, okay, you know, let's just like, let's start going through the motions of going to lessons. Let's start, let's just get a guitar. Let's do this. And then we're just going to hope for the best, right? We're just going to hope that it works. Yeah. Right. And what I'm suggesting is that the the kinds of things that you need to go through to learn how to play guitar or to run a marathon or to do anything that's non-trivial, they're yeah. understood. And I think and, and again, I'm going to keep coming back to this quote because for one, I think it's a good quote, but it's like really meaningful to me. It's like it's like when we're sitting there saying culture, it's like, Dave, you know, you need to learn how to play the guitar better. You need to do this. You need to do that. Right. But it's like if you can't sit there with me and show me what exercises that I need to go through, what drills I need to run, what fundamental changes of my habits that I need to do, what I need to do in my practice space. You know, um, you know, I might only have four strings on my guitar and they're all rusty. And, you know, it's like if you can't walk side by side with me and walk me through the process. Yeah. Right. It's like my attitude and I'm using that as a proxy for culture, right? And so if my attitude is poor, sure, right? Maybe I won't sit down and practice. But at the same time, once I flip that switch, yeah, then you, you gotta you gotta be able to you gotta be able to know what it's gonna take. Okay. And and what I find is, and, and I would I will say this, right? I don't think most agile practitioners understand the depth of the collect or the the depth of the problem or the complexity of the problem. And what they want to do is they want to say, if you get through the culture and you start to do the practices, then people will figure it out. Okay. And, I, and I think in some small environments that that might be true. Yep. Right. But you got a lot of people that are trying to apply this stuff in really big environments and the fundamental ecosystem isn't right. So I want to ask a big question. Now. Yeah, shoot. Uh, or I'd like to buy an argument um, with the stuff that you're saying. I mean, it. And, and a lot of the stuff like what Alistair is doing or even you can look at Modern Agile, any of that sort of let's get back to the core roots of this stuff. Do you think that there is a, is a situation now where the thought leaders in the space have – they've solved problems. Like we've figured a bunch of stuff out. We know how to do this. We know how it works. And they're 
struggling with the fact that they're now in the long tail of it and the people that are signing up are the ones who actually believe that if they spend $30 and buy this book, they'll be able to play like Eric Clapton. Well, so here's the interesting thing, right? So, so I don't get to spend a lot of time with Joshua. I get to spend a little bit of time with Alistair. And, and if you say, you know, I want to get back to the heart of Agile, right? right? And you say, you know, I want to get back to the core. What you also have to get back to is the environmental, um, I keep saying ecosystem, but that's not the word I want to use in this context, right? You got to get back to the, to the environment that that was applied to. This is Alistair, good. Okay. Yeah, I'm Alistair ready for the said, next argument. Alistair Go ahead. Alistair said to me one time, he's like, he's like, we're doing something. It's not agile. It's not what we were doing 15 years ago. Right. We might need to come up with a new name for it. Right. Because agile, as it was kind of conceived, was was small teams co-located, um, you know, embedded with customer operating under some simple rules producing working tests and software. I mean, you know, we have two developers who work at Leading Agile. I don't have those guys do Scrum. Like, I mean, they don't do any kind of formal Scrum. You know, mm. we just talk when we need to talk and they produce software continuously and they have a mandate that it never breaks, okay. right? So I'm kind of like the product owner. They're the yeah. team. They deliver as frequently as they possibly can because we're constantly consuming new features. And, and you know, again, the rule is it never breaks. Um, I'm investing in their salaries. I'm moving it whatever clip I feel like moving at. Um, if I ignore them for a couple of weeks, I know they're not going to be as productive as if I give them time, right? And so I, I okay. totally own that system. It is like the is like the ultimate example of small team, no estimates, experiment, learn, agile. Yeah. Right. But that's not where this stuff's being applied in companies, right? I mean, it's being applied to mainframe legacy systems. And that's not how that stuff works. So is it the solu- that the solution that's being brought in is there to fix a problem that is different than the solution was created to solve? Yeah, absolutely, right? Absolutely. And so this is where you get, right? And so if you want to do Scrum, you got to create the kinds of teams that Scrum was designed to support. Right. If you want to do Crystal or Heart of Agile or Modern Agile or whatever, you got to create the ecosystem in which that was designed to operate. One okay. phenomenon that I'm starting to see a lot, right? Because I'm, you know, people call us up and they want help. And I go, well, you know, tell me about your teams. Tell me about your backlogs. Tell me about how you produce working tests of software. And I get a lot of, well, this is going really good, right? We're doing great agile. And I ask, well, then why are you calling a consultancy? Well, our business owners are really unhappy with us. And I go, well, why are they unhappy with you if you're doing all these things right? Well, we, we, we're not actually delivering what they want us to deliver. And we're not delivering it as fast as they want it. And we're getting constant interrupts and we're getting constant reprioritizations, but we're doing scrum. Awesome. (laughs) And I go, are you kidding me? Right. Are you kidding me? Because it's like, it misses the point, right? It's like somewhere along the way. Yeah. They missed the point of scrum completely. Yeah. The the competition became how well are we doing scrum? Yeah. Right. Not like how is scrum solving the particular business problem? So, so when we talk about structure practices and culture, Right. I, I just like I, I you see it so clearly. I can't see it any other, any other way at this point, unless you're going to get the teaming strategy in the organization right and create the right kind of deployment infrastructure. And if you're going to, you know, it's like no amount of culture is going to solve those fundamental problems. But, but so you can't see it any other way at this point, but they don't even see it at all. That's the problem. Well, but they can. Right. And so so and so this is like. If, so I guess maybe the maybe the point is of the rant is like if, if I could wave a magic wand 
what I want people to see is, you know, stop talking about culture and stop trying to apply practices in a context that they weren't intended to operate within, right? Decide how you want your system to behave, right? And companies or systems, and then design the ecosystem and design the processes and, you know, that are going to result in the outcomes and the culture that you want. But they're already yeah. in mid-flight, and they can't well, just shut well, everything down. Well, they can, right? So, yeah, so here's a fascinating thing, Dave, right? The challenge is, is that not just, like, just smack and scrum on the surface of it's not going to solve the problem. Right. Right? I think because we're so inclined to blame culture, and because most of us, not all of us, but most of us, don't have a fundamental hypothesis around what an organization at scale should look like, Right. We don't directly know how to solve the problem ourselves. Yeah. What we're basically doing is coming in with our magic beans and saying, just do this and you'll be empowered to figure it out. Right. Right. You know, this is a a provocative thing to say, but it's like, I don't believe that most people are systems thinkers. I think that most people prefer to avoid conflict. Yeah, I think most people don't even know what system thinking is. Yeah, well, there's a huge portion of people that just want to show up and just do their job. They just you want know, a cheeseburger, right? You can't even get you can't even get oftentimes like technical people and business people to come to the table on a regular basis, right? Because they don't want to argue with each other all the time, right? They well, have different uh, points of view. It's more than that. It's that the pain that they experience that they have now is comfortable. They're used to it. They know how to survive it. Yeah. So so. So our hypothesis as an industry is that we get people to change their mindset a little or even a lot and start to do a different set of practices, right? But now they got to go figure out how to resolve all of those structural impediments that they have. Yeah. Okay. And, and the reality is one of probably one of two things or maybe three things. They don't know how to solve it. Right. They don't know how to deconstruct it because they don't understand architecture and architectural principles and all that stuff. If they did know, and I'm probably going to come up with five by the time I'm said, even if they did know it, they might not know how to convince everybody else. They don't understand how to do it incrementally and do the change management around it. Right. They they don't know how to resolve the conflicts. They don't know how to keep the product delivering while they're doing it. They don't necessarily know how to economically justify it to their superiors. They don't know how to decide which pieces actually need to be improved and which pieces don't. So is that their problem or is that the transformation agent's problem? Because well, it seems like that means we have to understand how to help them see it better than they can see it now. Well, so, yeah. Well, so, so yeah. So the, the – We build context so, so for that. He, so here's, here's the point of my beef, right? And then I'll try to answer your question directly. Okay. Right. The point of my challenge is, is that what we're selling people is – do scrum impediments will emerge you'll resolve the impediments and life is good until i don't know how to resolve the impediments i don't <laughs> I was know how to say, get do yeah. scrum find the impediments and go screw this and switch back to waterfall well, well there you go right <laughs> it's so we're selling a, like a like a, a process right yeah and, and what you start to see a lot is that people have made goes at this four or five or six times right and then they finally over time learn Right. And so it's so is it is it the person's problem? Is it the change agent problem? Is it what? Well, so what I'm starting with is like if we don't stop talking on LinkedIn and in books and in conferences and all these things about how just changing mindset is going to fix it. Right. Or just adopt this new way of doing retrospectives or faster sprints or whatever. 
Like, I just don't think that stuff's going to solve the problem. It's my no, but view, it makes right? people feel good. Well, yeah, but it's not helpful, To talk man. about That's it, to have I'm... excuses well, and, and well, all that. Yeah, but it's like we're not here for excuses, right? We're here to solve it's the pacifying. problem, right? So, you know, so a lot of like what we've been working on <clears throat> is a company. It's like, it's like Scrum is going to be a commodity. I mean, it's just not that hard. Right. And then like, so let's say everybody changes their mindset and everybody starts to, to do scrum all the time. Like the work of the transformation is removing the impediments. It's restructuring the organization. It's breaking down, you know, the large technical monoliths. It's, it's hiring the right kinds of people. It's architecting the business. It's influencing your sales strategy. It's influencing your market strategy, right? Those are the things that are going to really result in, in the stuff, right? Yeah. And so if we recognize the problem as a culture problem, and that's how we decide we, we define it, then we're going to try to solve it from a culture perspective. Right. And, 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 I, and I do believe, right, even if we start with it as a culture problem, we have to get the ecosystems right. We have to get the processes right. We have to work on the people stuff, right? So even if you want to, even if you want to solve it from a culture problem, it's not just getting people open to the idea of doing scrum or okay. open to the idea of empowering the teams. The, right. the, the challenge that we've got to do is we've got to figure out how to fix systems of delivery so that they can be um, properly um, instrumented with process and okay. that people with the right cultural mindsets can thrive in that cultural mindset. So – Go ahead. Okay. So if – it sounds to me like what you're saying, people are kind of aiming at culture, like that's the thing I have to fix. And that's just one facet of what has to be addressed. But if you say it's a whole system, it's all these things you have to look at. A lot of people are going to see that and go, shit, that's just too overwhelming. I'm not going to deal with that. Well, so, but, okay. So first Give me of all, one thing. Let me fix culture first. So if you were king for a day and you could flip culture overnight, you were given all the money, all the, all the, whatever you needed, right? Not time, but all the, whatever you needed to be able to implement Agile in your organization. But the caveat is, is that you had to prove measurable business benefit as defined by the CFO right. within three to four months of starting. Could yeah. you guarantee you could do it? I think if you, well, you'd have to set things up with that end, end goal in mind. Well, what would, what would the end goal be? To be able to demonstrate the value in three to four months. Yeah. So what would you do to guarantee that you could demonstrate value? I'd take on work that I knew that if – I think you have to – My and I could be off. My, yeah. my approach to this is you have to let go of the agile and have the outcome you're trying to get to be the thing that drives the behavioral change. Well, so I'm pressing on you. Now I'm pressing on you back, right? So I hear yeah. you, right? But that's like, that's like platitude-ish. Right. So I would find something that would be of value and I would define yeah. it and align it with the in state and I would do blah and I would do and I go, OK, you know what I would do? Right. I would go figure out a subset of the organization that I could form seven or eight complete cross-functional teams to the best of my ability. OK. Right. I would get them operating using really solid scrum and I would get them delivering with the most stable velocity I possibly could. I'd probably put a construct on top of them operating in a program level Kanban where they were basically continuously grooming the, the backlog all the time, focused okay. on minimally marketable features all the time. 
dealing with architectural concerns and dependencies all the time. And I would be feeding the the scrum teams incredibly ready work all the time. So this is the exact difference. Yeah. Though, because I think most people, if they were told, I want to do Agile, great. Here's everything you, need, you asked for, but show me this value in three to four months. They're going to drop everything they just got and go, crap, I got to show value in three to four months. How are they going to measure it? How can I squeeze it through the system? And then later on, I'll figure out how to do this. Well, stuff well so that, but it. then that's not definition of value, right? If you're basically saying, well, I'm going to do that under your constraint, but I'm going to break all the rules of the existing organization. But that's right, what happens. Overnight. Well, but I'm, I'm not saying it's the right thing to have happen though. Oh no, it's not. Right? But it's what most people yeah. would do. Well, I well think. so, but here's the thing, right? So, so if, if you had to be successful, right? If you're yeah. successful, according to the CFO's constraints, right? You get raised, promotion, you get the opportunity to do the next thing, right? If you don't, you basically get fired, lose your job, your career's in ruin, right? Nobody will ever hire you again, Yeah. right? I don't think that most people have a clear enough plan. I think what most people believe in agile transformation is, is <clears throat> get people, you know, culturally bought in, teach them how to do scrum, and then they will self-organize and solve the problem. And it just might take years. So who knows? I think that's the way most people understand the problem. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. That's why it frustrates me so much. It's wrong. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Right? Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, yeah. Right? Because I don't think people understand what the nature of the problem is. Okay. Right? But I don't think anybody's being explicit enough about the nature of the organizational change that has to happen in order to be able to do Agile. And, and I'm, I'm just telling you, if we allow this to persist, it's, it's going to like kill it. So how do we stop right? it? Well, that's, that's what we keep doing podcasts. We educate, we do talks and <laughs> try to be the voice of sanity out in the big world, right? And it's like, I got nothing against Scrum, right? Dave, you're like one of my favorite people in the whole world. We do Scrum training, right? I, I get it. We do it, right? awesome <laughs> Scrum training. Well, yeah. And, and it's like Scrum has a place. Yeah. But like one of the things that, you know, for a long time, the, you know, um, you know, Jim Cundiff and I, we would debate whether leading agile should have a training practice. Yeah. And I was philosophically um, opposed to having a training practice. I was okay doing some public training because, right. because I felt like, you know, if people were going to go get it, I'd rather them get it from us or if they needed it in house, I'd rather them have it in house from us. Yeah. But where, what I was philosophically opposed to is the idea of selling training as transformation. You know, and like buy my scrum training and you will be revolutionized. And Dude, why I, would, who would do that? That well, even I'm against the idea. I, I think it, I think it happens, man. Or maybe the scrum trainer doesn't, maybe the scrum trainer isn't saying it. Right. But, but that's how there's a perception being, out there that that's what's or, or that's how the people, like, I can't tell you how many things that I say that, that I echo back to me six months later. I'm like, Oh wow. I didn't say that. And even if it's what I said, <laughs> it's not what I meant. And you're applying it all wrong. Right. I mean, that happens. Right. Yeah. But, but, you know, people are buying it, whether it's being sold that way, people are buying it as teach me agile. And so where I had to get my head around it was if, you know, if it's being sold as skills transfer and, and we're really educating on like what the, what the, what the, the ecosystem is that it has to be present. And if they don't, if they don't have that ecosystem, you know, if you can be transparent with them about the problems they're still going to have on the backside. Yeah. Then I think you can do some of that with integrity. I mean, we're we're exploring well, that. It's it's the yeah. beginning. I mean, if if they leave that room thinking that okay, I I know more than I did when I got here, but now I know. Holy crap! I don't know anything. Yeah, but but here's the kicker, right? And so maybe this might might be a good note to to kind of wrap up on. Yeah. It's like if I buy if if I buy a thirty dollar learn how to play the guitar kit, 
and yeah. and the only thing I want is to be a little bit better on yeah. the backside of it, then that's probably great, right? I mean, no harm, no foul. $30 is, is, is not all that much money. But right. if I spend a half a million dollars on training, and that's my entire training budget for the year, and I've promised my executives that if everybody starts doing scrum, that we're going to get twice the work done in half the time or for half the money, and that doesn't play out, that's not harmless. But don't you think that somebody who does that deserves what <clears throat> they get? <laughs> yeah. So, so okay. So, so there. Gosh, that's brutal, Dave. There's, it, there's but some, I mean, I, that's why. If if that's what you think you need to fix your problem, yeah. But you want to spend that much money on it? But somebody's going to take there's it. There's shared culpability on both sides, right? Yeah. Because it's like I think I think the agile community is selling it. And I think the market is buying it, right? Because people always want the easy way out, right? They always want, want the, the pill that's yeah. going to help them lose weight, right? Yeah, the TV dinner, right? So yeah. yeah, people always want the easy out, right? And as long as there's a market for it, people will sell it. And there's, com- you know, there's complicit behaviors on both sides. Yeah. But for people that <clears throat> care about, they actually want to fix the problem. And for consultancies that want to fix the problem, right? That's the reason why, this is the reason why we're doing all this content out there is like to basically say to people there is a way and it's like if i could tell anybody anything yeah it's hard and it's like if you want to be good right if you want to be more effective you've got to go through you got to go through the work to get there as a community we have to recognize that talking about culture isn't enough right and and everybody like you have to have a hypothesis okay if i got the culture flip what would then happen yeah and and how sure are you that it would actually happen and I would suggest that most people don't know what they would do next and they don't have a whole lot of assurance because the cultural barrier is so strong that they can't see past it. Is it okay that they don't know? Um, I don't think it's okay for our industry. Okay. I mean, I think, I think all individuals are doing the best they can, right? You know, I, I don't blame any one person who's selling Agile or any one person who's trying to adopt it. But I think as an industry, we have to figure out how to get better at it yeah. Or else, you know, we're going to continue to lose jobs and companies are going to continue to go out of business. And, and then, but, you know, maybe it's a moot point. Maybe in 20 or 30 years, right, people will really deeply understand this and all the kids coming out of college now will be CEOs. And, you know, they just don't want, we won't do, make these kinds of mistakes offices. anymore. Yeah, we just won't make these kinds of mistakes anymore, right? So, so I don't know, man. So that's, that's kind of my story and I'm sticking to it. And I just think we have to figure out how to mature this game. I think we have to figure out how to hold ourselves accountable and I just believe that there's ways of doing that. Yeah. You know? All right. So that's it, Mike. Thank you very much for your time this evening. Yeah, man. Super happy to do it. I think you're going to have a job ahead of you trying to edit this down into something <laughs> useful, but I'll be really interested to see I'll what get you come it down up to with. a nice tight 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> cool. Perfect. All right. Thanks, hey, man. man. Cool. Have a great night. See you. You too, dude. I'm trying to put a bow on this, man, because it's Sorry. like, yeah.